0: Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts Valian Likely and Catherine Lotsbeach. Welcome to week three. We're excited to be
1: here with you. Um, before we dive into this week's kind of episode, we wanted to do a couple follow-ups from last week. Uh, the first one is I wanted to clarify that I'm not colorblind and that squishies are actually red, they're not black. Uh, and for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, squishies, or what we call squishies, I put air quotes around that, um, is Akaushi, um, which is a breed or a breed from Japan that my family is crossbreeding with Angus to get more uh, marbling in the beef and their grass finishing them. So a little clarification because I got a lot of... Or not a lot, but some flack from my family on that one, so I <laughs> wanted to clarify. We also had a couple questions, and Catherine, maybe you can start out with the first one. What is a co-op, and kind of how does one operate?
0: Yeah, so Valene um, and I are from uh, deep ag backgrounds, and sometimes we get a little into the jargon sort of stuff, so we apologize for moving a little too quickly. Um with our, with our language, but a co-op um, in an agricultural sense is a organization that um, brings together producers of the same product to help them have um, a higher bargaining power with their product. So for example, with dairy, um, if I was just going to sell my milk all by myself, um, it would be hard to find a place that would want to buy you know, say a million pounds of milk a month. But if I get 20 other dairy farmers together and we've got 100 million pounds of milk to sell per month, all of a sudden we become a more attractive customer. So co-ops are um, very common in the agricultural industry, very, very much so in the dairy industry, and they help they help members market their product, essentially.
1: Awesome, I that was a great definition and just clarification and there's multiple of them in the dairy industry, but there's also a couple of them in the beef industry as well that we yeah. that we operate in. So if you hear co-op, that's kind of what that means. Um, and then the last question we got was, "What is GAP certification?" So I'll dive into that one. Uh, GAP is actually it stands for Good Agricultural Practices, and that it's a certification process through USDA that. Primarily, Whole Foods recognizes, and there's five different levels of them. Um, is this is GAP just for beef, though? Just interrupt real quick. I believe so. Okay. Um, I'd have to look into it, but it's primarily for beef. Okay. And the practices for them. Great question.
0: Um, and it's through USDA and primarily for Whole Foods. So, welcome to week three of Millennial Ag's podcast. This week we've got uh, sort of an explosive topic, Um, just like we promised from the beginning. We're not shying away from anything that's hard to talk about. So, um, about two and a half weeks ago, we had a little bit of a a kerfluffle here in Colorado. Um, and it even made the national news as well. You might have heard of it outside our state too. So Governor Polis, um, who is a Democrat, um, you know more on the liberal side of things, made a visit to the Colorado Agriculture Department, and um, I believe that they were opening up a new a new um, laboratory for plant and animal services. So uh, Governor Polis went to visit the department and he had some interesting things to say to the department that serves agriculture in Colorado. Um, He, he brought um, Impossible Burgers from, from uh, Burger King and he suggested that Colorado Agriculture uh, try to get in on the ground floor of, of um, working or developing plant-based meat alternatives. And, um, that caused a lot of consternation and outrage in our industry here in the state there was a lot of i mean essentially there was an outcry val right and um i mean i'm not i'm not from the beef industry but it got my goat up a little bit i was outraged and i i mean i enjoy being outraged but that was my gut reaction was just outrage like how dare this governor come in and tell us that um colorado's largest export beef isn't good enough and that we need to be looking into alternatives Absolutely, and it kind
1: of goes back to even growing up and mom getting all fe- her feathers ruffled when we'd eat chicken or order chicken, <laughs> and it was a competing market. And and looking back, chicken—I still don't eat a lot of chicken—and um, it is a big competitor. But the beyond meat and the plant-based stuff is even more of a of a competitor and and nerve-striking for the beef industry because it scares us. It scares us that they're thinking our product's not safe, they need an alternative, they don't trust our practices. And so that's where, on the beef side, that's where that nerve and that outrage and, oh my goodness, what's happening? Why is our governor questioning our ability to raise a quality product?
0: Absolutely. Questioning what we do that serves Colorado so very well. And I think, too, I mean, I think that that was just the immediate reaction from not just the beef industry in Colorado, but the ag industry as a whole. And this did make national news. And I saw it all over social media, plenty of press releases. People were ticked.
1: Well, and it was, you know, you, we, we got texts from friends. We, <laughs> yeah. we were texting
0: each other. Our and office was in an
1: uproar. Everybody was just mad. And it. And it took a few days for anybody to respond and figure out how to respond and and just process it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think probably the industry viewed it as just a gut punch because I mean, this is this is a really new technology, a really new product on the market and as it stands right now, it feels I mean, gut reaction again, it feels like a serious threat to conventional agriculture and conventional livestock raising. It does. And
1: And I was, as we were mustering
0: through all that, um, I feel like the Colorado
1: Cattlemen's and CLA, the Colorado Livestock Association, kind of got their heads together and came up with a new campaign.
0: They did. And I think (laughs) this is such a cool thing because we've said over the last couple minutes, we were ticked, we were outraged. Our gut reaction was just to react with, with complete and total disbelief. And Colorado Cattlemen's Association came out and showed us the better side of agriculture, and really, really, what we need to be focused on as an industry to, to progress and move forward. Do you want to share about what they what they did? Yeah, so they came up with a better beef, be- better with beef, beef, hashtag better with
1: beef uh, campaign, and they went down to National Western Stock Show, brought in a bunch of trailers, cleaned them out, and, and invited the um. CDA and Governor Polis and producers and a lot oh, elected of elected officials, elected officials, people. and a whole bunch of people down there to show this is what beef can do. And guess who showed up? Mr. Polis showed up too and was able to eat a burger and come to the table and sit there and talk with them and responded. And it was, it gave us a gut check, another gut check, right in the right direction that. Okay, sometimes our reaction to march down to the Capitol, bang on his door, and say, what the hell's going on <laughs> with you, is not always the right the right way to approach it. It's, it's inviting him to our table and inviting him to, to have those conversations. And while we don't agree with all the things he's doing and some of the marketing he's doing for the Impossible Burger, um,
0: he showed up you know I think that's the key point in this whole conversation Um, you know we view what he did as a pretty big uh, faux pas thinking wow that was a serious slap in the face to agriculture Um, and there was plenty of outrage out there I mean social media posts um, you know people people writing letters to the editor letters to the governor himself I mean there was a lot of just animosity there and um, you know people People started with that first gut reaction. And we did too. But the whole point of what we're trying to do with Millennial Ag is to look beyond just the surface issues. Just look beyond, you know, the emotions on top. And um, I know that for me, um, the first few days after this happened, I was thinking, yeah, what a bunch of garbage, you know, this just sucks. Agriculture's under attack, you know, we're never gonna make any way forward. It just I was sort of I was not having a good attitude about it and then um, CCA did did their better with beef event and the governor showed up and at first I was I was still in that bad attitude place and I was just showing up to save face he had egg on his face he just you know he he's just trying to trying to save himself a little bit from that massive trip that he had. But then I listened to his remarks and I thought that um, while they might have been politician polished like you said he showed up. And he could have easily not shown up. He knows what Colorado beef means to to our state. He understands that we're a multi-billion dollar industry, the number one export out of the state. And, you know, I've got to say that that very small part of me that's mature is like, you know, we need to meet him where he's at. He came back.
1: And he doesn't have, he doesn't have the, he has a little farming experience, but he doesn't have the production ag. He doesn't have... The beef export, some of that experience behind him, right. and and if he's willing just to show up and meet with us and meet with producers and the president of CCA and CLA and Terry Finkhauser and all and to those, eat a real beef burger and to eat a re- real beef
0: burger after
1: after he was he knew he was under fire by mm-hmm. us essentially yeah what can we learn from that and what can we help him learn so that the next time he's in that situation he he might offer the plant-based burger but he might also offer a real burger to those to those folks down at the Capitol and at least they have both options instead of just one or the other
0: yeah I agree I mean we're getting to a place in society where um, choice is is currency almost Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this before, but we live in such a blessed place that we do have all kinds of choice.
1: Exactly. And one of my one of the key things I took away from him was he kind of said that we've got to be adapting to markets. While well, he initially said that in trying to get the plant-based burger and be on the cutting edge of some of that technology, he also tied it back into the beef industry and how if the consumers demanding grass finished beef then we've got to kind of adapt to that and bring them to the next stage of
0: that market as well. Right. I mean, it's just exactly what we talked about in our podcast last week, right? Um, about how both of our families have, have chosen to do business just a little bit differently in order to adapt to, consume, to changing consumer demands. And I, I mean, the important thing here is that somebody has to buy our product. And they're gonna they're gonna pay money for what they want. We can't keep you know we can't we can't ask them to buy something that they have no interest in. And um, I I think maybe Governor Polis's approach at the beginning of this um, didn't come over maybe quite like he thought the way that it would, but he came back and he said he he talked about um, changing consumer wants and needs and and how his goal is to keep Colorado agriculture at the forefront, where it is right now. And um, you know, it would be really easy to take that as disingenuous politician baloney, but I think that um, we as agriculturists, him as an elected official, and just society as a whole deserves better than that. I think we can do better. We know that we can do better. And so that's where it comes into us checking ourselves.
1: Absolutely. And he
0: took, I felt like he took a step towards us
1: while we wanted to, while we felt like he was running backwards at first, he actually took a step towards us and and swallowed his pride Mm -hmm. and showed up. And so now it's our turn to take that step towards him in resolving some of this conflict or how can we all work together and how can we support some of the crop guys towards some of that plant-based stuff or how can it integrate in with with our meat, with our high quality protein that I'm so proud of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how can we all work together so that we're we're not as divided because we know we know consumers want there are consumers that want that plant based protein. Mm-hmm. And and some of them are allergic to, or have a hard time digesting red yeah. meat too. And yeah. so, how can we all try to work together? And that's really hard for me to say because <laughs> yeah. what got me through school, what gets me through life, and even pays some of my salary here at AgPro is people buying that wholesome red meat at the grocery store.
0: Absolutely. So. And that relationship, or I'm sorry, that that um that thing in your life that structure is dependent on relationships and um i think it's important to note here that we don't have to agree with governor polis or anybody on everything we don't have to agree with his politics Mm -hmm. anything like that but on this we need to find some common ground and i think that's what you're saying is that we are trying to come to that place you and i and um it's like val says it's sort of a funny thing because um, you know we are we are strong and proud in our heritage and and we want to protect agriculture as we know it, but we cannot afford to turn away from somebody like Governor Polis because that's going to become more and more the norm. I mean we've talked about this before. We say it all the time. We're a tiny sliver of the population. We cannot afford to either ignore or to lambast and antagonize um, these people who are supposed to represent us. So it I mean it's hard um it's it's a total perspective shift for me, someone who enjoys being outraged and <laughs> <laughs> you know loves loves to loves to um have those kinds of arguments and stuff, but that doesn't serve anybody no and it's it and doesn't we, move us forward no, and we
1: still need to show up, try to run for office, get the agriculture needs a seat at the table totally. politically as well. But in these urban sprawl areas, Denver Metro, Fort Collins, we're we're definitely outnumbered, and agriculture might not always win when we're running at in politics. But how can we sit down? Whether it's a forum, whether it's engaging um, Governor Polis or our other elected officials, how can we do that and show them our farm and ranch and show them what we're doing and how we're being in a innovative but how we can also relate to them you know maybe it's the only starting point we have um, I think Darren Williams told me this but even if the only starting point we have with them is go Denver Broncos, <laughs> um, let's start there and know that we're both human we both have our same we both have opinions we both have passions but how can we go forward for the betterment of our consumer in the say in the front range right now mm-hmm. but in the country and in the world and how can we all work together to to better better agriculture increase the trust and start tearing down those walls because it's it's only going to get worse mm-hmm. i think before it gets better and agriculture land is is becoming more small
0: and we're going to have to feed more people yeah totally i mean that's that's it right and and we view it as a zero sum game just because we are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum with, with, you know, lifestyles and and our political beliefs, maybe maybe other beliefs that we have, but those are things that we are allowing to divide us, and we can't, we just can't, because it's not going to work in the end for all of us to be jerks on all sides. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, and it's not, you know, Governor Polis might be here for another four to eight years, and, mm-hmm. and he might be running the state of Colorado, and with the presidential election, we might be switching parties up there. And how do we how do we start locally and get get that message trailered all the way to D C or how do we get it trailered to Denver Metro? How do we get it trailered to people that are making our decisions? And it's that's kind of what our goal is as millennials because we're here for the long haul. Like I don't see myself backing out of agriculture anytime soon Um, and it might be things might change and my plans might get shifted or what-have-you or the industry might shake up a little bit but I'm my passion is agriculture it's feeding people but how can we make it sustainable for the next generation and for our kids and and can we continue to help support our family our older family, our parents, our grandparents that are still wanting to drive the tractor (laughs) or show up and just check on their corn.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, all of those are worthy goals. Those are those are the goals that I share. We know so many other agriculturists around us and within our communities who who have the exact same thing in mind. And I think right here, right now, for us, it starts with curbing the outrage. Um, I mean, this was a really good a really good reminder for, for me and you, me especially, <laughs> um, to check our own biases and assumptions, and to remember to try and put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Um, you know, being governor can't be easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't want his job even if somebody paid me a couple million dollars a year, <laughs>
0: right? And on the flip side of that, we know that raising beef isn't easy. But I mean, how life isn't easy, right? And. It is so easy to react with emotion and negativity honestly it's human nature to react mm-hmm. but um, I mean it's not easy to change that not easy to change our base instincts um, especially when it comes to something as personal as our livelihoods and our lifestyles. It's challenging it's uncomfortable. Um, I know for one that I am I, I react to change often with with negativity at the beginning um, but you know taking a deep breath, Pouring ourselves a glass of wine, um, looking at the whole picture and what it truly means for our industry, um, and finding the good in people and, and the good intentions, rather than just assuming malice, um, will ultimately serve all of us better, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think if we can just take a step
1: back and and put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, and not superficially, but taking our hearts. And placing them in somebody else's shoes. Man, those are powerful. It's <laughs> hearts. Not just our
0: feet, but our hearts.
1: <laughs> and it's not easy. Because it's a no. livelihood and it's passion. And it's, for me, 100 years on the same ground um, that could be compromised by some of these comments. And taking my passion from that and stepping back and putting them in Governor Polis's shoes and thinking, what's his viewpoint? He's never... St- He's never been he's not pulled a calf at two o'clock in the morning when it's snowing out and it's negative thirty and you're trying and you have calves in the bathtub. He's not done that. But I've also not been governor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've not had to please how many million of people in Colorado and a Denver metro population and and all these things either. And where is he coming from? How is he trying to move? Yeah, Colorado forward. So What's,
0: yeah, exactly. What's he looking at? So, I I think that this is the first of many hard conversations like this. Um, it, it's hard to change. It's hard to admit that, um, you know, maybe we need to look at things from a broader perspective. You know, we we fall in love with our own stories and our own thoughts. Um, you know, they're very personal to us. But uh, I don't. I, I mean, I think that just doesn't serve us and. And this is a first step for us, and we hope that it will be a first step for you listeners to to think about some of these things that we've brought up today. Um, we're not saying be lovey-dovey or kumbaya with everything and everybody by any means, but trying to figure out, to find the common ground so that we can all move forward. And it's about having
1: conversation. It's not, it's, do not, we're not saying compromise your beliefs no. or, or where you stand for, for or whatever, just see the other side and be willing to sit at the table and have a conversation. Yeah. And, and put maybe a, a little bit of your emotions on the side and see and see where we can go and move forward because we're not all going to agree, but we at least need to be at the table having these
0: conversations. Exactly. And just one last note before we sign off. Um, we truly mean have a conversation. We don't mean platitudes and, oh, go along to get along Truly, have these hard conversations that are that are difficult, that will challenge both sides, and probably raise the hairs on you. But, but try to overcome those baser instincts, and and again, see see where we can come together. Absolutely, and and keep your heart and passion in it, and
1: keep keep yourself true. Um, but love, but love, and love what you do. But yeah, just have those conversations and. Mm-hmm. Be willing to see the other side as well.
0: Yep. Dig into it. Dig deep and get ready to be uncomfortable because we have been. Yep. <laughs> and we're ready for more. We're looking forward to it. Um, we would love to hear your your thoughts and opinions on this. And be sure to tune in
1: next week where we're going to welcome our first guest, Miss Kara Smith. She's a millennial ag entrepreneur, a generational rancher, a good friend of ours, and an, ultimately a superstar. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us, provide feedback, and submit your questions. Our email address is millennialag.com. That is katherine with a -A -A k-a-t-h-a-r-i-n-e. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, rate us on your favorite podcast platform.